I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 58, in which we catch up with you, my listeners. There is going to be a lot of listener content today, because the last couple of weeks I haven't really done a ton of listener uh, response, and you guys have been making so many fantastic comments, and there's been so much great information flying around that I want to make sure I kind of capture everything from the last few weeks um, that you have been saying to me. Again, I like the conversation. That's my favorite part. I just, you know, it is like we're all kind of hanging out at a quilt retreat or something like that. It's a lot of fun. Um, So thank you so much for continuing to comment, and um, that's pretty much what we're going to be doing today. I am recording this on, I have absolutely no idea, what is today? Tuesday, (laughs) August 16th. Um, I was in Phoenix last week, as many of you know. I think I even said that on the podcast itself, so y'all should probably know that um, as you know as long as you really keep track of where I am at every given moment because I really expect that you're doing that uh, and anyway as a reminder I was in Phoenix last week um, left Sunday came home Thursday night I was supposed to get home around 11 I didn't get home until about midnight and most of that was because it took an incredibly long time for our luggage to get off of our plane and I'll tell you the Rochester airport is not that big it really shouldn't have done that. And it was very surreal because suddenly two different baggage carousels right next to each other were, you know, their little red lights and sirens were going off at the same time and baggage was showing up all over the place and no indication of which luggage was which flight. It was, (laughs) it was complete chaos, but I found my suitcase and got home around midnight. Fortunately had Friday off uh, and then also had Monday off because Monday I ended up having to take off because of my daughter, but Friday just our offices were closed, so I was able to just kind of crash for a day, which is a really good thing because I came home with a cold. Go figure. I go to Phoenix where it's like 110 degrees, dry heat, I come home sick. You know, who knows? I guess my northeastern blood, that was just way too non-humid for it or something, but I'm actually doing better today. Um, I did not get a chance to go to any quilt shops while I was out there. The only afternoon that we had free from our busy schedule, I didn't have a car. So we had to take the hotel shuttle to wherever the hotel shuttle would take us, which was um, at that point we were actually in Scottsdale. So we went down to that um, old Scottsdale area. And that was the only day actually the heat got to me at all. Um, it really does make a difference. I know they always say, oh, but it's a dry heat, but it really does make a difference. The The 110 degree heat in Phoenix was not nearly as difficult for me to take as 90 degree heat up here in western New York, where that 90 degree heat usually also comes with at least 80% humidity. <laughs> I mean, they were joking when we were out there. They kept talking in Phoenix about how humid, humid it had been, you know, for the days that we were there, and it was all of like 5% humidity or something. It would, you know, I just couldn't help but chuckle. But anyway, I, I really enjoyed Phoenix. Um, I had flown into Phoenix one other time and got picked up and immediately driven to Tucson. So this was the only time I've ever spent any time in Phoenix itself. And I really enjoyed the city. Um, Those of you who live out there, you got a nice place. I enjoyed it. Uh, We were in several different areas of Phoenix throughout the stay and even traveled a little bit north. 
up to a place called uh, Camp Verde. Uh, for Again, for those of you who might be in the area, uh, we visited Rainbow Acres, which is a residential um, community for folks with developmental um, disabilities or developmental de- delays, uh, which is related to our denomination. It was a wonderful, wonderful place to visit. Um, if you are out there and you ever have a chance to volunteer, I strongly encourage it. It was really, man, that was the bright spot of our visit. And um, I'm actually hoping to get back out to the Phoenix area again, maybe even as early as next spring. So if that does happen, if I'm able to work that out, then I will certainly let you know. And I'll be asking for recommendations for quilt shops at that point, because if I do get that trip together, I'll have a lot more time of my own to just sort of um, sort out what I want to be doing. And maybe we could even try to do a meetup. So (laughs) that's, that's in the future. I'm really hoping to get there. I got home, like I said, Thursday night at midnight. So Friday, I was, you know, really kind of phased out the, you know, you're only, it's a three hour time change. And, you know, you're only there for a few nights, but boy, it's just long enough to mess with your body. So (laughs) I get home, I don't know what day it is, what time it is. And um, fortunately, you know, it's a good thing that I had Friday off because I would have been not particularly brilliant that day. Uh, so, But I was up to doing kind of mindless sewing. I don't know that I would have wanted to be trying to figure out a pattern, but I was certainly up to finishing off my Serengeti project, and, and that's the uh, fusible applique lion's head, the kit by Tony Whitney, or the design by Tony Whitney, and the kit by, from the Big Fork Bay Cotton Company. Um, I've talked about it before on this podcast. I finally did get it finished this weekend. I was thrilled because it was a whole week early to be able to send it to uh, college with my daughter. You know, you usually, whenever you have a deadline like that, you always figure you're going to be up until the wee hours of the morning the night before she has to take it to get it done. I was so pleased with myself that I got it done a whole week early. Um, And she loves it. That's great. I do have pictures of that posted on my blog. I really need to get them into Flickr, too. I've not been posting pictures into Flickr this summer, either. Um, Pretty much, you know, those of you who have been with me since the beginning, you know that the summer is really kind of a loss for me. (laughs) I'm just not around that much to be able to keep up with all the stuff I normally do. But the good news is I take my daughter to school this weekend, and then my son moves off to school next weekend. My nephew will probably move out again at the same time. So after that, my life settles down considerably. And it'll be good. I still do a lot of traveling for work, but that's mostly weekends. So I'm around during the week, and and just in general, my schedule um, gets a lot more, I guess, regular, if nothing else. So what else have I done? So I finished Serengeti. I have been working on sorting uh, strips for the Jelly Roll Sampler. I mentioned, I believe just in my last episode, maybe the one before that, that I had bought the Jelly Roll Sampler book, the new one by Pam and Nikki Lintot. Um, Oh, and by the way, in emails back and forth with a friend from England. Uh, she did clarify for me, and Francis, if you're listening to this, because you, you asked this question and I've always been wondering it myself, what is the relationship between Pam and Nikki Lintot? And it turns out, yes, they indeed are mother-daughter. So that answers that question. Again, I'd mentioned how excited I was about this book and that I had a jelly roll automatically picked out for it, so I've been working on sorting the strips. They recommend that if you do one of their sampler patterns, you know, as is, as is presented, that you sort out all of the strips before you start making any one block. And that way you can kind of make sure that all of the blocks will have the kind of contrast you want or whatever. Uh, So I'm kind of working through that process. The only cutting I'm doing right now 
is that the way they've got the blocks laid out, you use a full strip, you might use a half a strip, you might use a quarter of a strip, um, and then you cut those into pieces. And by the end of it, when you do all 12 blocks, then you've used all of the the little bits. <laughs> that are left. So, you know, if I'm cutting a half strip now, somewhere along the way that that other half strip will get used. Uh, and by the last block, I think it uses a lot of little bits from everybody else. So um, the only cuts I'm doing right now then are cutting that, you know, if it says half a strip, I'll cut that half a strip. And I'm pinning and marking everything and kind of collecting it all in one place so that once I know I've got all 12 blocks more or less sorted, then I'll go through and I'll start cutting the requisite squares, rectangles, and triangles, and then putting those into kits. I'm not going to start sewing now. What I'm kind of hoping to do is that I have, I'm shooting for having all of the blocks cut before my quilt retreat, which is um, towards the end of October. I should be able to do that. If not, you know, at least most of the blocks cut. Um, But I'd like to have that ready so that when I'm at my quilt retreat, I'm just doing the sewing. So that's been pretty cool. Whenever you use a jelly roll with a pattern that's made for a jelly roll, you always run the risk of not having exactly the number of, you know, they say separated into light, mediums, and darks. Here's, you know, the number of lights you're going to need, the number of mediums you're going to need. And not every jelly roll necessarily has that number of lights, mediums, and darks. So I'm ending up using some strips as darks that really I would normally consider mediums, but they're sort of a slightly darker medium, so I think I can get away with it. Uh, But mostly I'm just having to kind of just come to acceptance of the fact that some of these blocks won't have as high a contrast as I might normally want to go for. It'll all have a much more soft kind of old-fashioned kind of a summery effect, which will be fine. You know, that's just not normally something I would do myself, but that's part of what I like about using pre-cuts and doing this kind of thing is it does sort of force me to use things I wouldn't normally pick out myself and that makes it kind of fun in that respect because then I might put it together and say oh you know well actually that does kind of work this isn't something I would have normally picked myself but hey now that I'm seeing it done (laughs) and now that I've been forced to do it this way sort of it's it's been good so I'm having fun working on that I did I got a bit sidetracked last night when I discovered a new trick with my um, cell phone I've talked before a lot about Goodreads and how much I use it. Well, one of the things I have tried various methods of doing over the year is over the years is how to catalog and track my quilt book library. Mostly so that when I'm at a quilt store and see a new book or when somebody recommends a book to me, I can quickly check and see if it's one I already have. Now, in recent months, I've now been through my quilt book library enough times for a variety of reasons that I have a much better sense of what I already own. But there, you know, there have been times over the years when I've bought a book only to go home and realize I already have it. And that particularly started happening after I inherited a lot of my mother's books. Um, Because when you add, you know, almost 100 books to your library all at once, it's virtually impossible to keep straight in your head which ones you now have. So I've done things with spreadsheets, I've done things with um, trying to catalog them on my computer in various ways, but the, the issue has always been not always finding the easiest way to sync that with my cell phone. Now, my friend Jan, hello Jan, had just recently been inspired by my decluttering episode to post on her blog, um, and she always does App Store Tuesday, I believe is what she calls it. And on Tuesdays, she posts on her blogs various apps she's finding, um, primarily for iPad, iPhone, around quilting. And I've always enjoyed that, even though I don't currently have an iPad, 
note the word currently. <laughs> I still live in hope. I have a birthday coming up. I keep dropping hints to my husband. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I do have an iPad or an, I, uh, an iPod Touch, an iTouch. Um, and that does use a lot of the apps. It's just not quite as nice a big screen and doesn't have quite as much functionality all the time as the iPad, but it's it's pretty good. And a, not always, but a lot of times when something's available as an iPhone app, it can also be a, available as a Droid app, and I do have a Droid. So I've been finding those um, App Store Tuesdays very helpful. Thank you, Jan. But in her recent one, she did post um, a review of a an app called My Inventory uh, because of my story about having bought a ruler I already owned. And so I did, Jan, go ahead and get the My Inventory app, did put that in and immediately entered all my rulers, so that's helpful. I did start to enter some other stuff. My Inventory does have a barcode scanner, but unfortunately my iTouch is an older one without a camera, so I can't use that feature in My Inventory at this time. So I had to have a different solution. So what I ended up finding out was Goodreads has the barcode scanner that I've said before I use in bookstores. What I didn't realize until last night is it has the barcode scanner has another feature that you can plug in in advance uh, what shelf you want to send these things to on your Goodreads shelf. Because, you know, the Goodreads being a reading site, it's all set up. You set up various shelves, various categories for your books. And so you can set up ahead of time, say, send all the following books you know, anything that I'm about to scan, send it to X shelf. And then you can scan barcode after barcode after barcode after barcode without waiting. It just takes them all in and then you um, hit a button and it processes them all and it sends them all to your shelf. And it takes a matter of seconds. So I, as soon as I discovered doing uh, that I could do this, I started yanking piles of quilt books off of my shelves and just scanning in all their barcodes. I had 90 books entered onto my shelves in under 10 minutes. I think it was probably, well, it was about 10 minutes total, only because I had to go to my shelf, pull a stack of books off, put them on my cutting table, and then start scanning them, and then move that stack of books back and put it back on. So really, most of that 10 minutes was sheer moving the books from one site to another. It took less than a second to scan every one of those books. I have a small stack of books that, as it turned out, didn't have ISBN barcodes on them. Uh, They only had UPC, and this Goodreads needs the ISBN. And so those I will have to still enter in by hand. But when I look at the fact that I did 90 and I only have about five books sitting off to the side that I need to do by hand, those are pretty good odds. (laughs) I don't mind doing that. So um, I'm going to finish doing my the rest of my quilt library sometime this week. So it's all done. And that way, when I'm at a quilt store, all I have to do, as long as I can get on the Internet with my cell phone, I can just go straight to Goodreads and check my books and see if I've already got that book on my shelf. And I am just absolutely thrilled. this, you know, it was almost a life-changing moment for me. (laughs) I guess, again, I'm a gadget girl. These things thrill me. So that was a lot of fun. I appreciated that. I do want to say also, like I said, I did use my inventory. I agree with Jan. It's an extremely useful app. Um, She has done, you know, she's probably down to now entering her children into (laughs) my inventory. Stand still. I'm sure you've got a UPC on you somewhere. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, it's, uh, you know, she's got a ton of stuff and she's got it all cataloged and organized and separated by bins. You got to go read her blog entry because it's really, and she's an entertaining writer as well. So it's a good blog entry. I haven't gotten that far yet. The first thing I did was my rulers because I am in the process of trying to replace old rulers with new ones. So that's a list I really need to have with me. Um, but I will be going through and entering other stuff in that as well. So thank you, Jan, for that. Um, she did also talk about a couple of other apps. And the thing I like about Jan's reviews is she also tells you about apps that she um, wasn't as fond of. So she will list all these apps that she's found and she'll say, hey, this one was really great. I used it for this, that, this one I'm not as keen on. They don't have great support. So it really helps you know which ones are worth looking at and which ones aren't. So definitely check out that blog entry. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll have to post a link, a direct link to that in the show notes to this episode so you can find it. Um, back to what I'm doing. So once I'm done playing with my Goodreads book scanner, <laughs> I do need to also get the borders back on my pinwheel quilt, but I'm not sure I'm going to get much more sewing time this week. I'm, I'm out a couple of more nights, and then, like I said, we're working on getting my daughter out the door. Um, the only other, you know, update in my life is that my daughter finally has her driver's license. Woohoo! This was a long time coming. She is 18. She was not keen on driving to start with. We didn't really push it. It wasn't a huge deal until, you know, now we're looking at her being away at college. And where she's going to college, there is nothing nearby it. Nothing. And there's bus service, but it's extremely limited, and she doesn't even, she's got friends from school that are going to be at area colleges up there, but none of them have cars either, so, you know, it's just going to be kind of a pain for her to get back and forth on brakes and everything, unless we were always driving up there and picking her up, so we really wanted her to have her license before she left. She just finally got it, and now, of course, she goes to school in six days, so us trying to get her car <laughs> is now the next step. Um, we may not be able to have it by the time she goes to school, but we may have to you know, go through the process of trying to find one this week and then actually bring it up to her. Uh, we'll be up there for a family weekend in September, so we'll bring it up to her later, but um, right now I'm just thrilled she's actually driving. Uh, she did immediately take her first solo flight to the grocery store for me <laughs> when we got home last night. That was great. Um, and on Thursday, there's a family thing going on that I can't be at because I'm working, and it's a 45-minute drive south of me at my sister's place. Um, and, you know, until we knew she had her license, we were going through all these machinations to figure out how to get her to it. And now I, I just have to wrap my head around saying, okay, you can take my car and drive by yourself for 45 minutes, even though you've only had a license for three days. Um, I'm okay with this. It's not a hard drive. She'll be fine. It's all in daylight. I don't think it's supposed to rain, so it should be good. It's just one of these things where this is a new thing for me. Um, my son, you know, he's been driving five years, old hat with him now. I, now I just have to wrap my hand, my head around my baby girl. So anyway, that's that's my life. Let's uh, let's catch up with you all and what's going on with you guys. First of all, I want to say thank you to Darla from the Scientific Quilter. Um, she posted, I believe it was in the Big Tent group, she posted a link to a YouTube video for um, podcasters on how to check iTunes reviews in stores from other countries. Not all of you may be aware that iTunes, when you're in iTunes from the U.S., you're looking at the iTunes U.S. store. If you're in iTunes from Canada, you're looking at the iTunes Canada store, etc. There's actually different stores. Um, and it's actually really, really easy to look at uh, other country stores. There's just this fast little way you can switch up what store you're looking at. Thank you to Darla. Um, I do now 
know that I've got reviews from other countries and I've been reading them and I wanted to particularly uh, say thank you to Celia in Australia because you had a great suggestion for a challenge a year ago. <laughs> I'm just now reading it now. I apologize. It's a great a great suggestion and I'm going to take it under consideration as I look for, you know, my challenges um, in 2012. So thank you so much <laughs> for that suggestion. And I'm sorry it took me a year to actually see it up there. Um, I do also have reviews from Canada and from England. It was just a lot of fun to, to read everybody else's reviews. So thank you so much, my international friends. And thank you to everybody for all reviews and iTunes. They are fun to read. Um, I don't respond to them the way I respond to other things because it's just kind of weird. I can't respond to them in iTunes. That would just be awkward. <laughs> so anyway, I do appreciate you leaving those um, reviews. It's always fun to read and keep leaving them. It's, it's, good. Uh, it's good for other people to see what's going on in the podcasting world. Now, let's go through comments. And I have a boatload of comments because, like I said, it's been a couple of weeks since I've really been able to respond um, to any. All right, so let me go into, I'm sorry, my email is popping up even as I'm listening or recording this. Um, What I'm going to do is I've got my comments in my email more or less organized by subject. So depending on where people posted, they should sort of uh, show up in a group. Um, I'm not going to respond specifically to everybody's comment because we have a three hour long episode. Just know that I wish I could. And I will share with you some of the folks who left some information. First of all, Robin posted on, left a comment on episode 34 in which we go to the movies uh, that I posted back in January. And Robin agrees that Paula Reed is great and her videos too. She has, um, Robin actually was able to take classes from Paula Reed at her local quilt shop, which was fantastic. And Robin also says she wrote to YLI. Since you had less than positive comments about a thread, I use a lot of YLI and always have had great experience with them. The 100 the 100 weight silk is wonderful for quilting as long as the machine quilting thread. Which one were you using? And then she says she thoroughly enjoys my podcast. Thank you, Robin. And unfortunately, at this point, I don't remember which one I was using at the time. I think it was the variegated thread that was breaking a lot. I have since used some other YLI threads and did not have the same problem. Um, and I know, you know, there's a lot of variables in a thread, so I'm not necessarily saying that I would never buy a YLI thread again. I do have to say, though, I really like Aurifil. Mary of the Scraps Du Jour blog, which I do follow, I appreciate, she emailed me, and this was when I was talking about my quilt with the cautionary tale, the Chinese, it's the flip a coin quilt that I did while I was ill and how it's just wonky. And she said, a few weeks ago, I was visiting with a long arm quilter at her house. She showed me a strip quilt gone bad. (laughs) And yep, Mary, that's definitely what mine was. Um, Back to Mary's email. She said, the maker of the quilt had taken it to a quilt shop. They hacked at it and couldn't square it up. It then came to the long arm quilter who has had many years of experience as a quilter. Her assessment is that strip quilts gone wonky can never get squared up. 
And Mary concludes with saying, at some point, take a look, trim here and there, and be done with it. It will never get to square. And I responded to Mary that that was both rather depressing and liberating at the same time <laughs> that that I, I hate admitting there might be something for which there is no hope. On the other hand, it means, you know, it wasn't just me. If, if these things just never really do get square, it wasn't just me who could not somehow get it square. So that's um, some wisdom that Mary is passing on that was passed to her. Uh, just to keep in mind that strip quilts really can be very tricky in that respect. You know, they look they look deceptively simple to make, but they're really not. All right, uh, this one is from... Robin emailed me. Robin says that she sent me an information chart also on Wildeye Thread, and she she really loves Wildeye Thread herself. And she does say if you have any issues with threads, you can write to them. And she says, thread in general is funny. Some threads behave and others not so. Also, when you purchase threads, sometimes it can be really old and it'll break if it's too dry. Look at the weight of thread to determine which one is best for your use. 100 weight is thinner than 40, which is thicker. And then she says she normally pieces with 50 or 60 weight thread. And I do as well. I think most of my standard thread is probably 50 weight. Um, might be 60 weight, but I think it's 50 weight. And then she does also say, check on using hand quilting thread in the machine. Sometimes they're treated with wax or something to make them easier for hand quilting. And we'll put gunk, technical term, she says, into your machine, tension discs, bobbin caves, etc. Not a good idea unless you'd have to, like to have your machine visit the spa for a refreshing. Orafil is a nice thread for piecing. Their 50 weight is lighter than Mettler's 50 weight. Get online versions or purchase color cards for the threads that you like. Then make a list of the ones that you need or want. And when you visit a store, you can purchase the ones you need instead of buying on speculation, which is a fantastic advice. Thank you for that, Robin, because I always, you know, I do the same thing with jewelry. (laughs) I always joke that whenever I'm sitting in front of a group of necklaces, I'll say, oh, I know I needed a necklace for something, but I couldn't remember what outfit. And it's like I'm drawing a blank on everything thing that's in my closet. I do the same thing with thread. If I'm seeing a nice display of thread, can't for the life of me remember what thread it was I thought I needed. So that's a good way to keep track of that. Uh, Robin also loves the Paula Reed DVDs. She she says she's great in person um, and is so dynamic. Uh, She also had an addition to the quilting exercise program. If you remember, that was several episodes ago. Don't really remember which episode it was where I listed the exercises for quilters she says how about the ironing board relay place the iron and ironing board to the furthest corner of your house to iron bolt back to your machine quickly sew pieces together and run back to the ironing board to press before the iron turns itself off Um, she has a bernina loves it she also mentions rulers with a cause uh, breast cancer is the cause and nifty notions cut for the cure so check those out and then she did particularly like the last episode i did on decluttering Uh, She says, what do you do when your equipment takes over? Cutting table in another room, etc. I too was so disappointed when clean sweep wasn't on. It was great. I still keep trying to get my spouse on the same page. We just had to do the garage since we hired a contractor to paint it. Everything went out on the driveway. Boy, I can't imagine that, Robin. That must have been a lot of work. Thank you to Tina Van Lu Rose and Tina Ottolino couple of Tinas in a row both commented on the Facebook page when I was talking about going out to um oh going out to Phoenix I also got a couple of comments um in the quilting for the rest of us that I think I'm going to use on a future episode so I'm not commenting on you guys yet on your UFO progress mid-year if anybody else is wanting to post about UFO progress mid-year make sure you go to the quilting for the rest of us group in Big Tent there's a conversation going on there 
Um, Quilton Jenny also commented on Facebook. Thank you so much. And Quilton Jenny, by the way, I was in Atlanta in the airport a couple hours both ways. <laughs> Maybe next time I'll actually get out of the airport. Lynn Luker also commented on the Facebook page. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Noni emailed me a couple times while I was gone. Thank you so much for your comments um, and comments on Facebook. Appreciated that. Joyce commented on Facebook. Jay Lapache commented in a variety of places. So thank you, Jay, for all of your comments. Um, Holly, thank you so much for your comment. Char Fiona Baker commented on the Facebook page and said, um, when I posted that I was a little bit sick and wasn't going to be able to post a podcast episode quite yet, she says, uh, glad to see you weren't totally knocked on your butt, though. I'm glad to find out I don't have to fly across the country after all, though I have to admit it's so easy to get hand sewing done while ignoring all the other people at the airport. <laughs> and, you know, I keep saying I need to do more handwork because of travel and stuff. That would probably be a, a much more entertaining way to spend time in the airport. Bonnie, thank you for your comment on Facebook. Okay, lots of people have uh, commented on my blog. I did put a couple of blog entries up. um, One about my Lolly's trip back in July, and a couple since then on various purchases, on the grilled pizza extravaganza, if you want to know more about that, that's on my blog. And um, most recently, pictures of the Serengeti Project, and also um, I did go to a quilt shop yesterday after my daughter's uh, driving test, and that's also up on the blog. So that's all there. Thank you to Mary Sarah and to um, Lori, new listener from my hometown, or my hometown guild anyway. Hi, Lori. Nice to have you with us. Susan, and that is Susan of history quilter uh glad to hear from you about the grilled pizza connecticut chronicles and connecticut chronicles also commented on the grilled pizza and if you read the grilled pizza blog and if you want to try to do this i had mentioned that we used parchment paper to separate the layers of dough as we were getting ready to grill them but that they sort of stuck together on the side and connecticut chronicles says she used wax paper once notice i said once she says when making grilled pizza at my daughter's house i made the dough let it rise rolled it out put it between sheets of wax paper and it all stuck to the paper fortunately there's a little pizza shop two blocks from her house that sells pizza dough proofed and unproofed for a couple of bucks and it's good i shall never make my own dough again (laughs) and what i'd like to say connecticut chronicles is do make your own dough again just don't use the wax paper (laughs) and like i said i will use the parchment paper but i will make sure it covers the entire piece of dough that was a key element loretta thank you so much for your comment and maureen Maureen actually commented, I had just posted a book review of the new book I bought, which is Stacked the Deck Revisited by Carla, what's her last name? Carla Alexander posted a brief review on my blog, so check that out too. And Maureen said that she had the opportunity to take a mini class with Carla this summer. She is a relaxed and encouraging teacher and fun to be with. And she does also have a new book coming out next February. So thank you, Maureen. I will definitely be looking out for that. (laughs) Very Lazy Daisy left me a couple of very funny comments. (laughs) Thank you for those. One was about the Serengeti and one was about my daughter driving. Uh, Sandra is a new follower and a new listener and appreciate that. We love new listeners. Woohoo! And she is enjoying being able to listen to podcasts while she's sewing. So um, she's promising that she's kind of comment more when she gets caught up. So I look forward to that, Sandra. And Sandra's from Canada, another international listener. We like international listeners too. Woohoo! All right, Quilter Caroline, thank you for your comment and school quilt. 
And Squilt said, um, this was in comments to the Serengeti, she uh, said, she's never done anything like that particular project, but this past week I've been doing a little bit of fiddly applique, and all I can say is thank goodness for fusibles. <laughs> I agree with that, too. Um, I look forward to seeing your blocks, Squilt. And Lori T., thank you for your comment. And Kate, thank you for your comment. Um, Jennifer, thanks. And Tanisha of the um, Crafty Garden Mom podcast said that, yes, indeed, I am an art quilter because <laughs> the line is a work of art. And then she goes on to say, yes, the little pieces are pretty much a hallmark of many art quilts. And when I'm deep into working on one, like her current lighthouse quilt, I have to watch my mouth because often a few less than polite words slip out while I'm placing teensy tiny pieces that fall off the tweezers. LOL. Um, thank you, <laughs> Tanisha, for commiserating with me. Stephanie, Stephanie just just now uh, commented on my blog. I just got it while I was recording this podcast, and it was um, commenting on my daughter and taking her driving test, quite possibly in the rain. I had to teach her quickly how to turn on the um, windshield wipers in her car because she'd never had to do that before. And uh, Stephanie says, my dad didn't let me practice driving in the rain, so needless to say, I didn't know how to turn on the windshield wipers. I remember the state trooper saying, it's on the dashboard, honey, in that slow Texas drawl cringe. (laughs) So that was that's kind of a funny image stephanie thank you for sharing that lynn also commented on the driver's test and she said um it's it's so hard sometimes to let them be grown up my nine-year-old wanted to ride his bike to a friend's house today about four blocks i've let him walk solo but balked at riding the bike on the road solo he is too hard for cars to see and too trusting that an adult driver will do what they are supposed to do at an intersection and both of my kids when i was teaching them both how to drive because i did more of the um teaching than my husband did just because i was home with them in the afternoons more and uh both of them my my cardinal rule was always expect other drivers to be idiots that was basically what i would tell them i would talk to them about defensive driving and everything but i would just keep saying never trust anybody else to do what they're supposed to do assume they're going to be an idiot because that way you will be prepared for those few people who actually are thank you to uh susan i'm sorry that's also susan the history quilter i I try normally to only thank somebody once, um, but some people show up incognito. Uh, Noni made a charity quilt exclusively from her stash for the challenge. The stash challenge. Appreciate it. My friend Jan in Spencerport. Yay. She did say she posted a great comment to episode 56 in which I'm back, baby. That was the one I posted in July. And she says she loves the cautionary tale quilt story. It inspired me to name the quilt I'm working on now with only one block done, Diversion Gardening. Um, so, Jan, I can't wait to see your show and tell with that quilt. Uh, thank you to Jetters. And Jetters says she left a comment on episode 56 also in which I'm back, baby. She's also Canadian. Yay, Canada. She says, I have to say that although I've never made a quilt well as sick and medicated as you, I have a quilt that is a cautionary tale for me every time I look at it. My warning is not about drugs and quilting, but about quilting without pre-washing. I designed and made a ragged flannel quilt, three layers thick, no batting, that is an American quilt on one side, an American flag on one side, and a Canadian flag on the other, for friends who are, guess what, Canadian and American. I realized when I was halfway through sewing it that I had not washed any of my bright red, white, and blue fabric. I had grabbed the fabric when we made a trip to our cabin to have something to do in the evening, but was too busy trying to pack to think about washing the fabric before I started cutting. 
I forged ahead, since it was too late to start washing at that point. It turned out absolutely beautiful until I washed it to get the ragged effect. I used retain, but the white parts became pink. I washed it repeatedly using color catchers, which I had to go across to Washington State to buy since they aren't available in Canada, and hoped it would wash out. I even tried tea-dyeing it to make it look antique, but it didn't really help. It did fade, as did the red and blue parts. However, since it wasn't great flannel fabric, um, she purchased it at a big box rather than her local quilt store, um, it has also pilled quite badly. Needless to say, it sits on my desk reminding me every day to pre-wash. My husband keeps asking me if I'm going to give it to our friends and insists they'll love it anyway, but I just can't quite do it. I might, or maybe I'll try shaving it and see how it looks, but it's a very large lap quilt and so it will take a while. But then again, part of me is tempted to go to my LQS and start all over. So let this be a cautionary tale for other quilts, quilters, pre-wash and buy good quality fabric. Um, thank you so much, Cheddars. That was definitely a good cautionary tale. Jay did post a couple of comments that she gave some information. I wanted to make sure I shine, I share it again to episode 56 in which I'm back, baby. She said Chinese coins is a great pattern. So much can be done with it. I sometimes make a quilt pattern again if I'm not happy with the first rendition. Also, I like quilts with a story. They're much more interesting. So don't worry too much about the wonkiness. She also loves the Creative Grids ruler. She also started with Omnigrid when it was the only game in town. So I understand your betrayal comment, she says. I never thought of just completely switching over, but when you said that, I thought to myself, huh, why not? I think I almost have anyway. So she's probably going to work into switching over to Creative Grids from Omnigrid as well. And she does say she also likes Mary Ellen's Best Press. It really helps keep biased pieces in order. I do recommend using a pressing cloth under the patches you are spraying because it will burn your ironing board. I've, I've not actually had that experience. I've never used cloth under my ironing board when I'm using best press, so I haven't had that problem. Jay also goes on to say, her favorite creative grids ruler of all time is the four and a half by eight and a half. It's great for cutting small pieces, and if you don't have one of those, you need to get one. I don't think I've got one of those, so I will keep an eye out for it. All right, I've got a comment from Lori on episode 56, in which I'm back, baby. And and Lori um, welcomed me back. But then she says, glad you enjoyed the bottom floor of Lolly's. I did the same as you. Didn't go down there until I'd already dropped a bundle upstairs. So so let Lori and I stand as a cautionary tale to you when visiting Lolly's. Start downstairs first. Jody posted a comment on episode 57, in which we declutter, that says uh, that the episode was spot on in her book. She's all about getting rid of clutter and getting rid of distractions. And that's not something I even covered in the podcast, but it is very true that a lot of times clutter can just be visually distracting and it can kind of weigh you down and, and keep you from being, I think, in some cases as uh, creative. So do keep about that. She says, I love the tip about space limited storage. I do that with my stash, but never thought about it for other things, such as sewing books, the general scrap container, etc. Wow, that could also work for shoes, seasonal decorations, and pets. Just kidding about the pets. <laughs> and Jody, I would actually say, I'm not kidding. My husband's terrified that I'm going to get another cat. Okay, I've got two dogs already. Our cat died about a year ago, and he's really worried that I'm going to replace it. Ginger Cootie, sorry, Ginger Kitty posted a comment on also on episode 57 in which we declutter. She says, once my son was born, I gave up my quilting space of generous proportions and now sew in about a quarter of the space. I'm always organizing and looking for tips to do better. She's folded all her fabric into mini bolts and she puts her quilting and frequently used fabric into two cabinets above her sewing area so she can open the door and see all the goodies. 
and it also the the more accessible things are it speeds her up in using them um, she does a lot of the mini bolts she's had those a lot of uh, clear plastic containers that are labeled with the contents on a shelf near her work area this has been a huge huge help to use the fabric i have i purged and donated loads of fabric that others have given me i'm still looking for a good scrap system i toss anything about three inches or so square since i do use them for art quilts these are in ziplocs by color my system breaks down for scraps less than a fat quarter but bigger than a small piece too small to fold into bolts and too big to ziplock these are messily short on a stored on a shelf any great ideas out there so she's looking for ideas for how to store scraps that are smaller than a a fat quarter but bigger than a very small piece so kind of those in between scrap sizes she says she agrees that clutter in one's environment does often equal clutter in one's mind so that's another comment and the question so do give here your advice sherry d commented on the in which we declutter episode and she says um she hates clean house shows because too many mementos are gotten rid of, I guess, personally. Having lost so much in the past, I am like super glue to a lot of the junk I have in my house. Of course, my house doesn't look like a house from the hoarder shows either. So it sounds like you've been able to find a balance, Sherry, and that's important. Um, Sherry goes on to say she has a healthy fabric stash that is well organized. She is very, very picky about what fabric she buys to add to it. I also look at my stash as something I could afford when I started saving fabrics over 10 years ago. I can no longer afford to buy fabric as I need it, so I look at my stash as what I saved for my retirement years, which seem to be now. And then she does go on in her comments about what what uh, things she does to keep her space organized. Um, and then she goes on a more serious note, it really does depend on where you are in your life too. The older I get, the less fabric I think I have to buy. I've been so good about my purchases and purges that I can shop my stash most all the time and do that successfully. I also give myself permission to buy a treat now and then. As I lose interest in certain fabrics, I donate, sell, or make charity quilts and pillowcases from them. It does feel good to make donation quilts with quality fabrics. And Sherry, I absolutely agree with you. I do think you know, what you're able to do with your stash and how you choose to work with your stash really does depend a lot on where you are in your life. Um, so that's where it's also kind of hard to do hard and fast rules on that. Kate also left a comment on episode 57 in which we declutter. She does also, she says specifically, I really like how you talk about number of years in regards to stash, because I just started last year and my stash is something I am already stressing about, lol. So Kate, you got a while before you really need to start stressing too much about it. Thank you to Jackie for her comment on episode 57 in which we declutter. Uh, She says, I'm highly organized and like you, I read organizational books, which I get plenty of teasing about. (laughs) And so um, she is in the process of kind of building her stash a little bit, but she's taking it slow. Let's see, Virginia. Virginia. Oh, I did want to make sure I commented on this. Um, If you recall in that episode in which we declutter, um, I specifically commented on Virginia, uh, her comment at my spinningplates.com blog. And um, I had said that she had, in that blog entry that I had read, it sounded like she was saying she was giving up quilting so that she could get rid of fabric to make more space. Um, And she commented, thanks for the mention, but I think you misunderstood the point of my post. I didn't quit quilting just to be more organized. I quit because I didn't enjoy it anymore. And then she gives a link to how to be a successful quitter. And I'll post that. Well, the link is in her comments, so I don't actually have to post it in the show notes. If you go to the comments for episode 57, in which we declutter and look for Virginia at my spinning plates, you'll see the link. And she left a couple, another uh, 
link as well. She says, afterward, I was left with a lot of fabric I didn't need, and I found a great home for it that benefited quilters in my area purging the fabric stash. And that was another um, link that she said. So thank you, Virginia. Um, I apologize if I did misunderstand that. Um, you know, it's hard for me to imagine somebody not enjoying quilting, but we all have things that grab us. You know, I famously keep saying I will not knit. <laughs> and someday I probably will, but right now knitting is not my bag. So thank you, Virginia, for being willing to be in touch with me and to leave us those links to those particular blog posts, and I will make sure I, I read them as well. Thank you so much. And I agree. I think it's necessary to be a successful quitter as well. I think it's just as important to learn how to quit things that you don't enjoy rather than uh, to keep forcing yourself to do them just because you feel you should. So thank you again for that, Virginia. Thank you to Susan. Another, This is a different Susan. Um, and she says, uh, and this was again on episode 57 in which we declutter. She says the, the links were great. I'm in some similar circumstances since I'm also in a ministry which requires uh, much of my time. This was such a great inspiration. I'm going to re-listen to it again. So thank you, Susan. I'm, I'm glad that what I'm going through may also be able to help someone else. Uh, thank you to Jane for your comment. Um, she does also talk about uh, de-stashing and, and moving and having to get rid of stuff before she moved etc amy a first-time listener what do we do when we hear of first-time listeners we say woohoo woohoo we like first-time listeners and she does have uh, she says her issue is more homeschool stuff which generates a ton of stuff papers books crafts and more her sewing spot shares space with the pantry and anything else that hasn't found a place in our house so i really really have to be intentional with the stash Um, she recently had to purchase so she could actually use it so that's another good comment that sometimes when you have too much stuff it makes it harder to use and thank you to and i I'm not even going to pretend to try to pronounce this correctly. Machun und Hun, um, my German friend. <laughs> and she also said the episode made her not only look at her stash, but she actually pulled some not so loved anymore fabrics out and will try to sell them or give them away. She says, I always thought I might use them for test bits, but it turns out I never test with ugly fabric. <laughs> I always seem to use the good stuff. I tend to do the same thing. Thank you so much for everybody's comments. I really appreciated them as always. And I've already got some ideas about what my next episode is going to be. So um, make sure you listen in. Actually, what my next episode is going to be, I might as well tell you because I'd love to hear your comments. I want to talk about what actually makes us buy fabric in the first place. Um, Yes, we buy fabric because it's pretty. Or yes, we buy fabric because we have in mind a particular project. But sometimes we buy fabric for other reasons and may not even know ourselves why we're buying it. So tell me, you know, do you do fabric therapy, retail therapy, as we call it? If so, you know, have you noticed a pattern for when in your life you tend to buy fabric? If you're not looking for a specific project, tell me. It's, that would be an interesting thing for us to know. I did get a, a handwritten letter from a listener um, who was talking about kind of processing some of those questions herself as she listened to the episode. You know, why was she buying fabric in the first place when she didn't necessarily have a project for it right away? Um, so I'd be interested in hearing what other people have to say, and I'm putting some thoughts together myself. So that's how you can help me get ready for the next episode. Um, y'all know how you can be in touch with me. The show notes for the episodes, also a place where you can leave comments, is at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. There you will find a link to the, you can find me on Goodreads, you can follow me on Twitter at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, you can find us on Facebook, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. 
You can subscribe to the newsletter, which I really must try to get out this week. And you can follow my blog. All of those links you will find, and I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting, um, at the uh, www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And uh, I will be back with you next week, a daughter short. I guess we can say it that way. Um, Until then, hope you all get lots of time to do some quilting, and I look forward to seeing your photos and hearing about your progress. So until then, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.